Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 14th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8pm on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM, 3WBC, and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a recorded interview first played on the 28th of June 2019 by Ian Salick with Don Heath. Don is a past president of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry, a past assistant governor, and until the end of June 2019 on the District 9800 Foundation Committee looking after stewardship. In this 2019-2020 year, Don Heath has returned to the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry to solely undertake the role of Director of Community Service. This is 94.1 FM, 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and you're listening to the Rotary and Community Service radio show with Ian Salick right through until 8 o'clock tonight. And now it's a real pleasure this evening to welcome both a friend and a hard-working, very committed Rotarian. Don Heath is a man who walks the talk. Don is a member of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry and has been a past president of that club, an assistant governor in Rotary District 9800 and for three years part of the Rotary District 9800 Foundation Committee, currently looking after stewardship. Not only that, he has managed whilst working for district to concurrently fulfil the role as Community Service Director for the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry. Don is truly a very dedicated Rotarian. Don, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Rotary Show. Thank you, Ian. It's a pleasure to be here. And great to have you here, Don, because we haven't spoken before, certainly on air, but tonight we're going to do so and we want to find out a lot about you and all the good things that you're doing in Rotary. Don, as I always do with our radio show guests, before we talk about your wonderful Rotary work, I'd just like to spend uh, a moment or two to find out about you. Where were you born and what was your profession? I was born in the Mallee, Ian, at a little place called Pyangle, which is 40 kilometres north of Swan Hill. I went to school uh, by bus to Swan Hill High School. I then attended Melbourne University, studying both science and education. That led to becoming a maths physics teacher, and I worked on that for 30 years. I also spent 13 years running a computer company involved with the installation and training of school administration software. That's a very comprehensive development that you've had right through from your country upbringing, which is marvellous, I know, to be brought up in the bush, and then you sort of migrated to the city, haven't you? I have indeed, Ian. I, I guess it was always uh, inevitable if I wanted to go on with tertiary studies, I had to move to Melbourne. I was fortunate to live in Queen's College for four years while I attended university, and that was superb. A wonderful college in a wonderful part of Melbourne in Carlton there, just a wonderful part of Melbourne. Now, Don, um, I'm very interested to know this, and I'm aware that you were part of another service organisation when you were in the country. I was indeed, Ian. Um, I taught in country high schools uh, at Miribar, Ararat and Warwick Nabeel. 
and whilst in Warwickmobile I joined Apex and was a member there for 14 years. Apex is a young men's service club from 18 to 45 and also now open to women since 1990 as is Rotary. Apex has 330 clubs across Australia after starting in 1931 in Geelong. The sides of the triangular badge represent citizenship, service and fellowship, very similar to Rotary. After several years on the club board, including president, I became a district governor and a member of the zone board of Apex. In 1985, I was awarded life membership of the Warwickville Apex Club. What a wonderful accolade, Don. So I suppose the next question is, did you leave Apex because you left the country or did you reach the age of 45? <laughs> we moved to Melbourne uh, to teach at St Michael's Grammar Inn. I actually did transfer to the Bentley Apex Club uh, until I reached the ripe old age of uh, 40 at that stage. And 45, that's still in, in uh, the program that you leave? I mean, what happens as you approach 45? Do they say to you, you're approaching 45, would you like to do something else associated with, rot uh, with, uh, with uh, Rotary or do you stay with Apex? I mean, what do they say to you as you approach uh, 45 years? Do they give you some other option to serve the community? It was actually 40 years, the uh, upper limit in when I was a member. Um, it is now 45, you're quite right in saying that. Um, many of the uh, Apexians in Warwick Nabeel joined the Rotary Club of Warwick Nabeel, as you could understand. Yes. One service club to another. Uh, it was a natural progression. I know there's a great association. I must just ask you, Don, why is it 45? Why have they got that particular condition as part of their their charter? I think it was started as a young man's service club, Ian, both for vocational purposes, people in the younger stages of their careers. It was also very much a hands-on working bee club. Um, I suppose in some ways Rotary is the beneficiary of that uh, required departure age. Uh, as you say, many of your fellow uh, Apex members went on to join Rotary in the same town or area? Uh, usually, it uh, depended what their uh, work was, whether they stayed there. In my case, we decided to move to Melbourne to teach at St Michael's Grammar School. Um, so it was a matter of leave the Apex Club. And d do most of them really do that? Is that, is that uh, in the majority that leave and go, to uh, go from Apex to Rotary? I don't know what the percentage would be in, uh, but a lot do. It's a, it's a very good uh, ability, I suppose, for, for Rotary to have them move across. And uh, I don't want to say we thank Apex for it, but, <laughs> but uh, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting uh, condition of Apex. So when did you join Rotary? What year did you join Rotary? Because we'd moved to Melbourne and took up uh, new careers in the private school system. My wife's a school teacher as well. Um, I ended up joining Rotary, the Rotary Club of Glenferry, in uh, February 2005. And Don, what really motivated you in the first place? First to join Apex and then to join Rotary. What was the motivation that you had in the early years to be part of a service organisation? With the Glenferry Rotary Club, I was keen to join another service club, having been involved in Apex, 
I was invited along by one of the members who I knew through teaching. It appeared to be a strong club with 40 plus members and I was made very welcome. And where'd, where did you meet? Uh, was it a weekly meeting? Is it like Rotary Apex? Tell us a little bit about uh, Apex in terms of how they organise their meetings. Uh, Apex was a fortnightly meeting here yes. and uh, in our club we met every Friday night and with no work the following day, that was often a, a good social occasion. Yeah, I, be, I bet it was. So, whereas in Rotary, I know we meet for a relatively short amount of time. It is a Tuesday night, which I know we'll talk about in a moment. But So Apex, I suppose, uh, uh, did work in the country town. Uh, we're interested in that on 3WBC of hearing about Apex. What, what, what sort of jobs did you do in the town under the auspices of Apex? As I mentioned before, um, it was quite a lot of hands-on work. Uh, we used, we uh, built a park out at the Warwickville uh, Machinery Museum in the shape of a ship for a children's playground. Uh, we raised money by running what we called a spinning wheel at the uh, Warwickville Agricultural Show. Um, and they had international projects just as Rotary does. I think the sudden infant, infant death syndrome from memory was the first project Apex had raised over a million dollars in one year. Really, a very worthwhile cause. And I know the work that's been done in SIDS now has meant that there are uh, fewer deaths because of that. I know that uh, for a fact because uh, I've been reading about it recently. So that sort of work is very vital. Apex was part of that. Did they one of the sort of... Apex started it. Did they? Mm. What a wonderful cause that uh, yeah. was and still is. Dawn, what motivated you in the first place to join a service organisation? First Apex, then Rotary. What was, the, what was the, the generator of that decision? I think the thing was, Ian, I enjoyed the service work. I certainly enjoyed the fellowship in Apex and I looked forward to joining Rotary for the most popular reason, I think you'd agree, I wanted to give back to the community. It's a, a very good reason for joining and there's great camaraderie I know in Rotary as well. So Don, talking about Glen Ferry specifically, how would you describe the soul of the club? Again Ian, I think uh, the prime thing, our core value is service to the community. We use members' passions to help social causes and change lives in the community. We also see fellowship with all of our members as a vital club, part of the Rotary Club. And Don, like all Rotary Clubs, members come from different walks of life. Have you got a good cross-section of people and professions in the club, both men and women? Ian, our club certainly embraces members from all walks of life. We have, uh, for example, accountants, school teachers, surgeons, shop workers, nurses, and many more. We make good use of their particular skills to enhance our service work. We also have diversity with seven members born overseas, China, England, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, and Colombia. And after 80 years as a men-only club, women were admitted to Rotary in 1987. Our club now has 14 women, or, as a mathematician would say, 32%. And we are looking to increase this to 50%. And that's wonderful that we're doing that. And women play such a vital role in Rotary and are so very good and committed 
to Rotary. And we've got, uh, I know, and I am a member of the Rotary Club of Glenfree, and I should declare that during this interview, <laughs> but we have got some uh, very, very uh, committed women who are doing wonderful jobs within the club. Don, uh, before we talk about your current district roles, uh, let's talk about your current role as Community Service Director of the Rotary Club of Glenferry. What does it involve and what are some of the current projects that the club undertakes? In our Community Service Committee comprises eight members and we have each one organise one major project in our own community. Some examples of these are we deliver bread every Thursday night from Baker's Delight to the Salvation Army in Camberwell. This helps them cater for a lunch every Friday for up to 60 homeless people. In August, we manage a barbecue in Federation Square for the Parkinson's Walk, usually raising in excess of $2,000 for the Parkinson's Victoria Appeal. We give financial support to CamCare and the Burundara Family Network to help with the wonderful work that they do to help those in need. Interestingly, the Burundara Family Network was actually started by our Glenferry Rotary Club. There has been a wonderful contribution by Glenferry to the local community. What is the club doing in relation to international projects? Our Rotary Club is certainly involved in overseas projects too. The most important one that all 33,000 Rotary Clubs worldwide support is the End Polio campaign. This was started by Rotary International in 1985 and in that time we've reduced the spread of the wild polio virus from 180 countries down to two. We will eradicate polio very soon. That has been, that has been a, a major project for Rotary and very, very significant. A lot of young people don't even know about polio. And I believe, Don, one of the reasons for that is they don't hear about it because there's been such a marvellous campaign and work ethic to reduce polio through vaccination. What other projects is the club involved in internationally? For 10 years, our club has supported sending an eye care team to Sumba a very poor island in southern Indonesia. A few years ago, I was very fortunate to join the team for a week in Sumba as the Rotary volunteer. Our two ophthalmologists performed 96 cataract operations and our three optometrists tested the sight of 740 people and we gave them all the appropriate glasses. One of the most defining moments in my Rotary career in was the morning after surgery they came back in, took the bandages off their eyes at eight in the morning, and I'll never forget one fellow who had brown cataracts, say, there's my daughter, I can see my daughter. It was truly inspiring. Inspiring and very, very emotional. And of course, there's a lot of social stigma attached to not being able to see clearly, isn't there? In terms of the work that they're able to do or their family environment in the villages that they're in. It's even worse than that, Ian, what I saw when I was in Sumba. They can't really partake in any work at all. They can't help the family. They really are socially disadvantaged. And ostracised. And ostracised, yes, you're right. 
That is a wonderful program, and I know our Mark Ellis, who's an ophthalmic surgeon, does that work. I've interviewed Mark before, and he's been doing that for a long time. And you went there, you said uh, assisting, but you went there as an orderly, which I think is a delightful <laughs> expression. Uh, how long were you in Sumba for? We had a week at the Wakabubak Hospital, and one of my roles as the Rotary volunteer was to escort people from the optometry area across to surgery. Um, I also kept records of the surgery and the interviews on computer. Uh, so yeah, I felt as though I'd really contributed to the week. I'm sure you did, and it's not luxurious living there, is it, in, uh, in some for the week, <laughs> in terms of the facilities that you live in and what you're able to eat during the week. Just just tell us about the, the living conditions when you're away doing this program. It was fairly hard going in, we, uh, and the thing that comes back to my mind, I mean, the Indonesian food I really enjoyed, that was fine, but in the um, accommodation we had, uh, there was no hot and cold running water that we're used to here. It was what they call a mandy, which is a tub in the corner, and you have it washed by scooping cold water over yourself. <laughs> uh, truly an innovating experience. That is really service above self. <laughs> it was. It really is. Now, Don, just coming back to the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry, where and uh, when does that club meet? We meet at the Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club at 6pm every Tuesday night. And, Don, those listeners that are not yet Rotarians and live in the Burundara area, how can they become a member of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry? What would they do first to inquire about the club and find out about the club? I'm very happy to talk about that, Ian, because we're always keen to have new members join us for good fellowship and the opportunity to do good in the world. Contact details can be found on our Glen Ferry Rotary website www.glenferryrotary.org.au What's that again, Don? Just give us that again. www.glenferryrotary.org.au Well, thank you, Don. Uh, I want to take a little break. And when we come back, I would very much like to talk uh, and find out about what you've been doing for Rotary District 9800. Uh, as I said in the introduction, you've concurrently been working for the district and the club, and I think that's a great effort. So goodness knows how many hours you do a week for Rotary. So we'll come back in moment, uh, one moment and we'll talk a little further. Welcome back. We're talking with Don Heath, and Don is a member of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry, and he is currently its Community Service Director and as well has been a past president of that club. He has also been an assistant governor in Rotary District 9800 and for the past three years he has been an integral part of the Rotary District 9800 Foundation Committee currently looking after stewardship. Well Don, uh, first up, what was involved in your role as an assistant governor? Ian, I was privileged to have two years as the assistant governor for the Heritage Cluster. This involves six clubs in the inner suburbs, mostly from our prime football areas, Carlton, Richmond, Collingwood, Fitzroy, Brunswick and Melbourne Park. My main role was to be a mentor in Rotary Matters to each club and particularly their presidents. To achieve this, I visited each of the six clubs six times in the year 
and arranged regular cluster meetings for the presidents. I really enjoyed my involvement with these six Rotary Clubs. It's a major commitment, isn't it, Don, during those two years. Uh, at any time you are called upon to resolve any uh, discussions that might, might get a little bit difficult. Uh, I know that uh, those particular clubs are under some pressure, and you've told us where people are moving out to the outer suburbs to where industry is. So it must have been a rather um, changing time in that particular cluster, Heritage Cluster. I think the issue, Ian, was in some of the inner suburbs, Fitzroy, Collingwood in particular, there were many factories and businesses and the management, a lot of those, belonged to the local Rotary Club. Those places have now been replaced by apartments uh, and as you say, a lot of people have moved out to the outer areas of town. Those inner suburban clubs do have um, quite a battle to keep their membership up. Something that might be changing a little, uh, there seems to be a trend for as you had just indicated, apartment buildings in some of those inner areas where people are now sort of saying, we don't want to be so far out, we want to come closer to the city. So that in some ways might turn it around a little bit where people are in apartments and want to come back and join Rotary and come back into the inner suburbs. So it might be a change for the better, but there has been a fairly mass migration, hasn't there, away from the Brunswick's and the Fitzroy's. I think you're right. I uh, do think there's opportunity there as people move back into the city and inner city areas for Rotary clubs to build up their strength. And I know there are plenty of strong clubs in the uh, district that we belong to. There are, and uh, I know that you enjoyed your time with them developing uh, the membership in those clubs as far as you could. Uh, it's to be hoped that we can uh, re uh, vitalise membership in those inner uh, clubs because uh, they're such a, an important part of our Rotary District in 9800 which runs up through the city right up to the border at Echuca Moama. It's a core of our, our district, isn't it, 9800? Don, you've been working for this district, 9800, for the Rotary Foundation Committee and for our non-Rotarian listeners, what does the Rotary Foundation actually do? Ian, I think of the Rotary Foundation as the engine room of Rotary. All clubs worldwide raise money for the Foundation and each year some $500 million is distributed to clubs as Foundation grants to help make their projects happen. That's a lot of money. Pro clubs can apply for a district local grant up to $2,500 or a district international grant up to $5,000 or if you have a bigger scale project, you can apply for a global grant for projects more than $30,000 worth. And I think as you mentioned, our district 9800 that we've uh, talked about has 68 clubs in it from Camberwell to Echuca. And they are uh, open to applying for grants and they do so pretty regularly and it's a pretty busy season. There's not an unlimited amount of money, so it's got to be very carefully uh, controlled and allocated uh, based on their requests, hasn't it? And they've got to prove it and then they've got to make sure that they report on it. A absolutely, and that's uh, part of my role as um, Stewardship Chairman. 
I have to uh, check the reports through that come in. I have to check that all of the receipts uh, have been accounted for. The Rotary Foundation is known as one of the top five foundations in the world because of this stewardship and checking of uh, the way that money is spent. It retains that um, standard every year. Very, very important in terms of the due diligence. They want projects, I know, Don, that are sustainable. It's not a matter of just putting money in, you know, to buy a tractor and then not making any provision for its maintenance, etc. You have to make sure it can be maintained and it is about sustainability, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is, Ian. We want to see, uh, it's the old story, um, you don't give someone who's poor a fish to eat for dinner. You teach him how to go fishing himself and move on from there. A very, very good analogy. Now, what are some of the significant rotary projects, both for the local community and internationally, uh, which the District Foundation Committee, and you especially, Don, have been involved with? As you know, our Glen Ferry Club is a strong supporter of the Rotary Foundation. I've been involved in a number of grants. Um, the most recent one last year was uh, Servants Community Housing, uh, who set up a women's refuge centre in Hawthorne. They have rooms for seven women at this stage, and we spent $5,000 uh, providing a bar fridge for each of the seven rooms. We provided two large refrigerators for the kitchen, a washing machine and a dryer for the laundry. Um, this type of work uh, really appeals to me in where we're helping those in need. It's very practical and when you're doing that and gathering up those items and, and requesting them to be donated uh, and working to provide products as well in your own right and delivering them and facilitating, it's very worthwhile hands-on work, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I've always said that the hands-on activity in our local community is the best thing I enjoy about Rotary. And I know that in queue of servants, a uh, housing home was developed for those people that were homeless and it was developed in queue and there was hands-on work to change a facility there, to clean it, to re-renovate the bathrooms and it was a marvellous hands-on project which now houses people that have been uh, homeless and they now have a place to, to, to live, a clean environment and uh, it's such important work that Rotary does in the local community. Don, what, what are some of the international projects uh, with which you've been involved? Good question. Um, we set up, I think about three years ago, a vocational training centre in Gombe in northern Nigeria. Uh, the centre provided sewing training and woodwork training. Um, basically, our aim was to help alleviate poverty among the young people by giving them the skills to get work. And Don, when we mention Nigeria, I know sometimes there is a little bit of concern about the donation of money to Nigeria, but you went about that, didn't you, in a very, very detailed way to ensure that that money was being effectively spent as part of the Rotary ethic. What did you do to ensure that that happened? Normally with a, an international grant like that, Ian, we like to have a host Rotary club in the area. Unfortunately, in this case, the nearest Rotary club was 75 kilometres away. So we um, were able to get help from the Youth Hostel Association board there 
one of the lecturers at Swinburne University actually went back to work in his hometown of Gombe and he was happy to become the prime contact to make sure the money went to the right places, the spending was done properly and most importantly for my role, all the receipts were kept and we could account for every uh, cent that was spent. Which is the way to do it and the reports came through to prove that it was done and I've actually seen some of the photographs where uh, they have uh, operated the facility. So. It's been very, very well done. I was just going to say another um, very important global grant that I've been involved in was for our Sumber Eye program that I mentioned before. I think this is probably eight or nine years ago, our club gained a global grant of $33,000 to purchase a portable operating microscope and other surgical equipment as well as training local doctors and nurses in proper eye care to meet what you mentioned before, sustainability of the project. Absolutely mandatory. And uh, we mentioned a little earlier in the interview, uh, one of our members, ophthalmic surgeon Mark Ellis, who drives that program and really is the head of that program. And at the time, uh, I certainly was aware that he, ha he had to develop uh, nursing facilities to carry the work on not a matter of going up there for a quick visit and coming back and leaving it idle. That is the great thing about Rotary, isn't it, Don? That monitoring, that sustainability and that insistence before any money's uh, allocated that those things are in place. That is just a mandatory requirement. I think, yes, it certainly is, Ian, and I think that's why Rotary is rated in the top five foundations in the world. Don, in your time in Rotary, what in your mind defines what Rotary does best? Ian, I think I mentioned before the very best part of Rotary is doing local hands-on service work in the company and fellowship of my fellow members. This is exemplified by the work that Glenferry Rotary Club does in running the Burundara Farmers Market every third and fifth Saturday. We enjoy working together to raise money to support our local community projects, our youth activities and our international projects. Well, Don Heath, thank you so much for joining us on the Rotary Radio Show on 94.1 FM 3WBC. And thank you especially, Don, for what you do in Rotary, so well demonstrating Rotary's motto, putting service above self. Your work, Don, and hands-on contribution is, is very significant and deserves the highest praise. All strength to you and your Rotary activities going forward. More strength to you, Don. Thank you for joining us. Ian, it's been my pleasure. I always enjoy talking about Rotary. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio Doing Good in Victoria or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.